0: You're listening to the Interns to Pros podcast, where you'll learn from some of the most successful impact players in the media, technology, sports, and entertainment industries. How did they land their awesome jobs? What big lessons have they learned along the way? Get ready to take your career to the next level by getting insider knowledge from some of the best in the business. Here's your host, Mitchell Leach second.
1: Welcome to the Interns to Pros podcast, where we give timely wisdom, and elite value on how to go from an intern to a pro. I'm your host, Mitchell Lease II, and today we got an amazing guest, Talia Wilkins. She is an abundantly talented producer who has mastered the art of career growth and excellence at every stage. For the past decade, Talia has gone from being a production assistant trainee to becoming a segment producer at ESPN. Where she has covered everything from NBA finals and college football bowl games to producing segments for SportsCenter First Tank, as well as a myriad of other shows and features. Since she started her career at ESPN only two weeks after graduating from Siena College, Taleya no doubt has a ton of wisdom to give that will truly be. Invaluable. Talia, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Mitch, for having me. You are definitely missed the ESPN family. Uh, lost a gem. Let me just say that first and foremost. And um, I couldn't be more honored to uh, join your podcast on tonight.
1: That means a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you for always being in a class act from, from jump and become a good friend. So Absolutely. I appreciate you being- so let's kick it off with this first question. Okay. So you've had a, a tremendous career. If you could describe your career journey in one word, what would it be and why?
2: My career journey in one word would have to be challenging. Um, mm-hmm. And I say that because uh, only now I'm 10 and a half years in in this industry and um, I appreciate the grind. I appreciate the growth. I appreciate um You know every challenge um, that was set before me Um, early on in my tenure, I didn't appreciate it. It was very many many frustrating nights. um, My unwillingness to play the quote unquote the game in this industry. Um, So once I checked myself, maybe three or four years in, um, that's when I began to literally appreciate the challenges um and and embrace the challenges um because it's very easy to get complacent in this industry um and just find your niche and and you know just stick with that same routine day in and day out but it's only when you're challenged for me personally in my experience um it's only when i became challenged um in every new role that i took on um, where i started to appreciate the growth as a producer
1: no doubt. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you knew this, but I started off as a PA training myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember that, that crazy seven months and i to go through that. Oh, yeah. Tell us about your training experience and how did you first, how did you land that opportunity? And then what were the three biggest lessons learned from that chapter in your career?
2: Okay. Well, um, first and foremost, I, while I was at Siena as a sophomore in college, um, I actually tried to get into the internship program at ESPN. Um, I did not receive a phone call, um, until a year and a half later. So it was going, going into my spring semester of my senior, senior year. Um, when I finally got the phone call. Um, and by that time I'm like, okay, I got about four months left before graduation. Um, you know, obviously, you know, right. Taking on uh, an internship at that point in, in my, you know, uh, college tenure was wasn't realistic, you know, knowing that I was going to graduate in May. So, um, you know, once I got the phone call, um, they told me about the PA trainee program. They invited me down for an interview. Um, I was interviewed by a man named Fred Brown. Uh, he <laughs> it's funny because uh, he questioned my um He tested my sports knowledge uh, on, you know, all the major sports. And I felt like I I pretty much, I felt confident in that interview until he hit me with, you know, a lot of the baseball questions. And outside of the Yankees, I'm a New Yorker born and raised. So outside of the Yankees, I didn't know too much. So um, he told me at the end of the interview, he said, I I think you did well. He said, "Um, I'm just going to tell you, just brush up on your baseball knowledge and, uh, you know, we'll be in touch. So Mitch, no lie. I literally went back to campus that night. Um, I think I went to like uh, like a Walmart or something and I mm-hmm. brought like uh, these big poster boards and I hung them up in my room on campus and literally every day, like I wrote down every stat. Every major storyline, every and and I made my friends on campus, my teammates, everybody. I made them like you know randomly just you know test my sports knowledge on baseball outside of the Ales, right? So, um, (laughs) so it it became it became a challenge. I embraced the challenge very, and it was very frustrating, you know, (laughs) because I was just like outside of the Yankees, I was you know I was very East Coast biased at the time. So, Um, (laughs) so and and literally, and they didn't call until literally two weeks before I graduated. And, um, you know, we had a great conversation and then, uh, they put the offer on the table and, uh, I mistakenly, and I'll say this and I, and I can elaborate later. Uh, um, but okay. I mistakenly accepted the offer right away. No questions okay. asked. No, uh, <laughs> I didn't yeah. take 24 hours to, to talk to my family, to, you know, my mm-hmm. loved ones. I literally just, accepted the offer on spot because you know yeah. those four little letters you know mm-hmm. um, that's all I that's all I you know could think about in that moment so yeah, yeah. yeah
1: no doubt well mm-hmm. you just brought back memories for me and my test and I, let me tell you I thought I, I, I uh, failed to mess out of that but apparently I did okay <laughs> Right, right. right. I probably still did, but we won't talk about that. Right, we're gonna go there. We're gonna
2: brush that under the rug.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, I know you did an internship to back it up. I know you had that internship. I believe with Alan Houston, and then you ended up doing this training program. I guess. Mm -hmm. How would you describe the value of doing something like an internship program, or training, or fellowship program?
2: Um, It's it's funny that you mentioned that because that indirectly set me up. for the position at ESPN. Um, and I'll back it up a little bit. I, uh, Mm -hmm. my father and, um, Mike Hill, who used to be on air talent at ESPN before leaving for Fox, they had a mutual friend. And, um, so that I thought that was going to be my in, you know, in the company. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Mike was, he was a great asset once I finally did get a hold of him, but it wasn't until I interned with, um, there was a uh, an event at Madison Square Garden called the Wheelchair Classics event, and um, you know, just being a New Yorker, I kind of took advantages of growing up in the Garden, and I landed um, a spot they were looking for. You know, young college, you know, um, really enthusiastic, you know, personalities to to come on board. So um, Mm -hmm. people that were just going to work hard and and, and just really be flexible, um, whatever was asked. So I signed up for that. And those connections, um, I just, and that's the importance of business relationships, because I stayed in touch with everyone that i met um on that staff and one of the ladies her name is Miko Horn um also knew Mike Hill and she connected me with Mike again so I kind of had two ways you know two avenues um if you will to you know get into the company and um once I finally did get a hold of Mike um you know he was more than willing to help me out and pass my resume around and kind of circulated around you know Um, the production uh, side of the company. And um, it still took a year and a half. I was a sophomore at that time grinding and um, Mm. every internship that I had in college was sports related. So, um, but it's still, even with that connection, it still took a year and a half. So, and then I still had to prove myself within um, the interview. So (laughs) it was, it was a journey.
1: No doubt. And I mean, you already, um, it's a perfect lead into my next question because you talked about um, the value of relationships, the value of working hard, but then those opportunities um, give our audience a couple of things that you would advise that you would give them to maximize whatever that internship or, or training program is at that time.
2: I think um, the biggest takeaway for me um the, you really don't understand the value of business relationships. It's because there's nothing better. See, I made the mistake when I first came in. I thought my work was going to speak for itself, and that's the only thing I had to do. I had you know just come in, do my shift, do my job, and my work mm-hmm. would speak for itself. Um, not only that is true, but to a certain extent, you have mm-hmm. to, when you come in, especially at an entry-level position, internship, entry-level position, not only do you have to consistently do the work Well, you have to make sure people who are in positions of power are recognizing that work and they are Mm -hmm. because there's nothing more valuable than someone speaking on your behalf. You can speak, you know what I mean? Because it comes off, you know, it's genuine, you know, and and those performance evaluations, I'm sure that we'll talk about later on, um, you know, those are so important in your career and your growth because it's all about perception. It's all about what others think of you. And, you know, so I didn't realize how important that was. I thought my work, because just being the, having that athlete mentality, I was, I was like, you know, if I put the work in, People will recognize my work, you know, they'll see it and then my work will speak for itself. But you have to strategically make sure that people are seeing the work that you're putting in day in and day out.
1: No doubt. I mean, just intentionality. And I know we've talked about this in the past. and mm-hmm. uh, several so other colleagues and former my former colleagues uh, about, you know, that your work speak for yourself. But, you know, nobody sees it and nobody knows that's you doing it. Right. Um, guess what? If somebody else would take credit, you don't even know. So, right. Um, so describe your current role um, and a couple of your favorite things about it and, and some of the lessons learned um, from what you're doing right now.
2: Oh man, my current, so I'm a segment producer on the Six O'Clock Sports Center. My day-to-day responsibilities I, is, is kind of self-explanatory. I literally produce certain segments throughout the show. Um, the majority of those segments are typically our analysts, our in-house analysts. Sometimes I'll produce um, a segment with a live reporter at site. So for example, Sal Powell's covering the Eagles. Um, we'll do a remote satellite interview with him. It is my job to communicate with his producer at site Um, communicate with the reporter, which would be Sal Powell at site and just kind of come up with a game plan on what storylines we want to hit during his um, segment. So that's kind of my day to day my uh some of the other projects that, that I've worked on in the past I don't know if um any of the millennials will remember a different world the actual show but we did the remake of a different world spoof um last year and that really resonated with our audience um at classic, the time. Classic, yeah it was classic, it was probably classic. the one of the most proud like you know one of the, my favorite i mean i, I pro- probably will list that as top 5 Um, Project that I worked on, and I I was really, really proud to have my name on it because it went over so well on TV, digitally, socially. It just really resonated with everybody, and to just have the the co sign of the original cast members from the show kind of just salute us at the end that was amazing. Um, So I, you know, so any type of creative projects, um, I'm usually the point person. I'm I'm typically the liaison between, you know, studio production creative services and the talent department. So it's a, it's a great gig to, to kind of be in because you have your hands dabbled in everything. Okay. And um, and then I would say the third aspect of my job is um, the travel. You know, um, typically starts around NBA finals um, and it goes all the way through. You know, I've been a part of a number of ESPYs, a number of Emmys, red carpet events, um, movie premieres with Mike and Jamel. Um, so yeah, I've definitely had, definitely dabbled in all aspects of the role, um,
1: in the last year. No doubt. And, and that's, you know, when I, when I heard that you got it, I was, I was ecstatic. That's what I was still there. And, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Was, you've done a heck of a job, a heck of a job over there with, it. with that. Now our listeners are going to hear all of that and be like, wow, I wouldn't do that. And it's <laughs> easy. But what are some of the common misconceptions about that segment producer? I <sighs>
2: do Wow. Um, well, I don't have a mansion on Farmington Avenue next to 50 Cent. Like, I, I promise you, me and 50 are not neighbors. Um, so that's probably another misconception. I cannot get tickets to every event. That's, that's a big one. Right. I am only I am only one of maybe 7,000 employees. Everybody can't get the hookup, y'all. Like, I mean, I just can't. Like, I had to check my family a decade ago when I first got the gig because they were just like, all right, so we the finals and we here and you give me tickets to the garden and I'm just like, y'all gotta I'm one of 7,000 like, you know, Um, so um, those opportunities uh, that you may see on my Instagram page and you know, my Twitter feeds and all that um, those 99.9% of those opportunities are, you know usually come on the company's dime so I'm Mm -hmm. being sent on behalf of work so I'm grinding while I'm out there granted, there is time to have a little downtime have a little fun while you're on the road but for the most part, I mean you know how it is Mitch we're working 15 18 hour days sometimes you know um you know you get you know you can you can you know fit the fun in you know where you can but that's probably the biggest misconception i think people think we can get tickets everywhere and people think we live um really really lavish lavish lifestyles
1: right right <laughs> so, they, listen, not I it was humble beginnings.
2: I commuted from my first four or five months from Brooklyn, New York, every single day, two hour commute coming into another two hour commute going. I did that five days a week um, for months um, before. Because, you know, the trainee process back then, yeah. you know, they didn't retain. They didn't let you know that you were going to be retained until after the fourth month mark. So my whole thing, I used to tell people, uh, you know, I didn't want to get myself locked in a lease out here. But the truth was, I really didn't want to move from Brooklyn <laughs> it's like right, to Bristol.
0: Right, you know, right. I was so
2: stubborn. I was so stubborn back then. But it, it, it ended up being one of the best decisions I've ever made for my
1: career. <laughs> now, now, both you and I, we saw a lot of we went through it ourselves but we saw a lot of students come in. Uh mm-hmm. Either interns or fresh out of graduation or, re- or recently out of graduation. What? what were some of the biggest, um, biggest things for courage students? What would you, I guess, biggest mistakes you saw being made? And in both, what were some of the good things that you that you would advise um, new entry level folks to do?
2: OK, so my a lot of my interaction with um, interns or entry level or future entry level um, employees are typically at the conventions that we go to throughout the year. NABJ, um, for those of you who don't know, NABJ is the National Association for Black Journalists. Um, they pick a different city every year. Um, t- I've been going, I think, the last five conventions I've been to. Um, so I meet a lot of people at the, at, you know, at our booth, at the career fairs and mm-hmm. mistakes that I see um, Resume mistakes are a big one, a big killer. Because you you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. People hear you hear that all the time, and that's so true. So people will come up to me, hey, can you take a look at my resume? Or people will reach out to me through LinkedIn, hey, can you pass my resume along? I used to do that blindly. I used to just say, hey, yeah, you no, know, because I, I always wanted to just pay it forward. So mm-hmm. I would just pass along pass along a resume. And um, unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way um, that that was a mistake. Now I have to you know um, kind of screw you know filter through. the... The good ones versus the bad ones and uh, but with the mistakes that i see um just lack of preparation you know and people are not prepared to speak to you um and people are not pre- prepared to present their best selves um and and i mean i'm telling you it, it could be the first 2 minutes whether I, whether I know um if you if you're a, a strong enough candidate for for an entry level position
1: no doubt. No doubt. And mm-hmm. I try to uh, preach that with with uh, with young folks uh, now and mm-hmm. hopefully past like these and meet people like yourself, uh, right. people will be more prepared as they go along. Um So uh, kind of making a bridge off of that point, um, mm-hmm. you have been able to grow your career um, through a lot of hard work, through a lot of determination and just being ready for the opportunity. Uh, describe right. the art of, of career growth and the best ways to sustain that growth.
2: Okay. Um, remain uncomfortable throughout your career. If you are uncomfortable, you are progressing. It's only, I, I, I don't think I've spent more than two years, two and a half years on, um, a project or a show or a gig within this company. You have to, um, uh, remain relevant. And I can tell you firsthand, um, working in studio production, when you're one of maybe 150 production assistants, um, mm-hmm. you have to distinguish yourself on a, on a night to night, week to week basis. And, um, and you have to, you know, like it goes back to those business relationships. You have to make sure you identify who are, who the influences are in, within the company. You have to identify, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, your advocates, you have to get mentors, um, early on in your career, to advise you because it's an information overload when you come in, and you know it's not it. it it's just it could be overwhelming for a lot of people, um, and and I, I've seen a lot of PAS get lost in the shuffle. So you know, wow. I would just uh, yeah, I would just I would just definitely strongly advise you to to get mentors to to be always remain the dumbest person in the room. I tell that to people all the time. Like I don't if I'm the smartest person in the room, there's something's wrong. You know, I want to feel that, that little bit of insecurity or, or you can turn a positive twist on it. I want to make sure I'm a sponge and I'm absorbing from the best in the business, you know, and, um, do things outside of your nine to five. Or whatever your schedule ends up being. Um, yeah. I'm involved in employee resource groups. I'm going to conventions. I am now a mentor to a handful of people that are under me because it's about reaching back as you continue to climb that corporate ladder. Um, you know, not getting bougie. Basically, you know, when yeah. <laughs> when you get a little promotion, you have to reach back. And people notice when you reach back. People notice when people others gravitate to you for advice, and you know, they just want to be a part of you know where you're going. And, and I think that's so important because people have done it for me and it's turned out well for my career. Um, but you definitely have to remain relevant. And one way to do that is to remain uncomfortable in your position and continue to always put yourself in a position to learn more. And, you know, your, your current job is not, Um, when you, like when, when you get an offer, right. Um, for a position, you are not preparing, you're already qualified for that position. Your job Mm -hmm. is to make sure you continuously go above and beyond because to prepare yourself for that next role. That's right. You know, so every time you say, yes, I accept this offer, just understand that you are already qualified that that person across that that desk has already made the decision that you are You have the capability of doing that job, your job in return, the return on your on their investment is to make sure you can do the next job. And that's what you have to show consistently. And I think that's what distinguish you from a lot of people who just sit there complacent, just come in and just do their job and go home.
1: Listen, I, I hope you all out there taking notes. That was some uh, some big time wisdom that, that's truly, truly invaluable. Now, you just mentioned uh, something I'm very passionate about and you are as well. Mm-hmm. Mentorship. Uh, yes. Who were your mentors and what were some of the big pieces of advice that they gave
2: you? My first mentor was Lisa Fenn. She was a feature producer. Um she, I met her very, like within the first couple of weeks of my career. I, I learned very early on what I wanted to do, ultimately, what I thought I wanted to do. Um, and, and I definitely love the documentary um, side of storytelling, which is features in our, in our industry. Um, and, you know, so I gravitated to her. And, you know, I would come in on off days, I would come in on the weekends, I would come in, you know, I would stay late just to shadow. Anytime you have an opportunity to shadow someone, take it. Because those are valuable, especially entry level. Y'all can get the OT. Don't even worry about it. You know, um, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I can't anymore. So i salary. salaried now, So everything's just like, you know, you got your eight hours. That's it. But, um, but no, seriously, on a, on a serious note, um, I, I, any opportunity you have to shadow somebody, shadow another department, and it doesn't have to be within your department. You know, I think the more you do or involve yourself in cross departmental, you know, projects, the, you know, the more you, you market yourself. In, in this industry. Um, so I, I would strongly, strongly, strongly suggest um, to just shadow people on your downtime.
1: Most definitely. Now, as we get ready to close the show, um, I always, I'm always i a big reader myself and I love quotes and you give me um, a ton of great quotes that I'm going to go back and write <laughs> down. Uh, now, do you happen to have a favorite quote or book that has helped you in your career journey? If so, what is it in, and why does it resonate with you?
2: Ooh, okay. So, wow. Favorite book is tough. I would say read, please read. Re- I, it doesn't matter. Sometimes I read just to escape reality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like uh, legal thrillers, like John Grisham. I also like, you know, um, inspirational books. Um, you know, I think last year alone, I think I read. Uh, I read Charlemagne's book, um, Black Privilege. I yeah. read uh, Michael Eric Dyson's book, um, Tears America Can't Stop. I, th- I think I read. Um, uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar's book when he came in and did his book tour, um, Coach Wooded and me. He has uh, so many quotables in that. So I like inspirational books, I like self help books, and, but I also like, you know, to escape, you know, reality too. And so I'll, I'll dabble into John Grisham. And, um, but as far as my quotes, um, it's very hard to pinpoint one. So I'll just go back to the one I, that always resonates with me, and it's from my father. He always said, the power is in the pen. And, um, that, I mean, I'm a writer at heart. And, um, and I think, um, I've seen, uh, where my writing has taken me. And I think it's important, you know, um, as, as we, you know, sometimes it's very, Mitchell, you could attest to this, getting lost in the ESPN, um, the mystique. Of the Mm -hmm. company, the brand. And um, sometimes when you get lost in it, you lose sight of what you ultimately want to do in your life. Like, what is your purpose? Why are you placed on this earth? Like, what is your Mm -hmm. purpose? That may not always be in alignment with what you're currently doing. So it's important not to lose sight of that and if you can blend your two passions because that's that's where i'm I'm challenging myself as a producer now to blend what i'm ultimately passionate about with what with what i'm doing what how can my current platform um help me reach my ultimate potential in terms of my passion and my purpose on this earth and um once you merge those two it's amazing
1: what, what can happen in your life it's an art to that it's definitely an art yes. to that and that's something that i had to grow to and i'm Part of the reason why I left the business is to Mm -hmm. do my passion full time, even though sports was a big passion and now Mm -hmm. it still is a passion. Now I want to add value and go from there. So Right. um, And it takes courage.
2: I just want to say this because I want to compliment you really quickly. It takes so much courage to walk away from an entity, an industry, uh, the brand that ESPN is. To go pursue something that is bigger than yourself. And I commend you for that. It's giving me inspiration. It's given many others um, after you inspiration to do the same. Um, I mean, if I, and like I said, if you can blend both worlds, wonderful. But when you really tap into your purpose in life, I think that's amazing. Whether that's with what you're doing, whether that involves what you're doing or not. Um, just don't lose sight of it for a brand. And that's probably like, you know, my biggest takeaway. Um, You know, from this podcast, is just, you know, just not losing sight of your dreams and your goals that you ultimately want to do.
1: Taleya, thank you so much for blessing us with your time and invaluable wisdom. You have been tremendous, and and, um, you know, for our for fans out there, is there a a Twitter handle, Instagram handle, people can follow? Oh, absolutely.
2: Sure, Um, my Twitter. There are two different ones. So my Twitter is T underscore Wilkes. That is W I L K Z. That is my handle on Twitter and on Instagram. You can just search Talaya Marie or, uh, it's Lele underscore S U N son. Um, so yeah, you can find me either on Instagram or Twitter, not too much on Facebook. That's pretty much for family, but, uh, but yeah, Instagram, Twitter are completely open.
0: Um, hit me up.
1: Appreciate it, today. You take care. Thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Thank you, Mitch. Thank you for listening to the Interns to Pros podcast. We hope you enjoyed the insider wisdom and industry insights. Be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you like to listen. iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and more. Now is the time to maximize your opportunity in today's marketplace, regardless if you're a student, professional, or employer. For more information on how we can help you or your company do so, visit internstopros.com. That's interns, the number two, pros.com. Until next time, never stop learning and do your best to master the art of excellence in every aspect of your journey. Congrats in advance.